Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. The following program is paid for by its sponsors, who are solely responsible for its content. Views expressed are not necessarily the views of WMAL. When the time has come for moving on, you can't go wrong. The Eric Stewart Show. This is Pointing You Home. Pointing You Home. All you need to know about buying, selling, and everything in between. Now, here's your host, Eric Stewart. Good afternoon, Washington, and thank you for joining me. I'm your host, Eric Stewart, and this is Pointing You Home. Today's discussion is about right-sizing your life. What does that mean? Well, right-sizing is better than downsizing. Let's put it that way. We all think of downsizing as that process in life when we finally decide that the house is too much and we just finally admit it to ourselves or, or are forced to admit it to ourselves, right? The idea of downsizing somehow just carries with it this sort of feel that, you know, we use it and sometimes we don't really think about it, but other times it just doesn't feel good. I'd rather be, you know, upsizing sounds like we're going somewhere very positive, right? I'm, I'm upsizing. But downsizing, it implies something different when in fact, when you decide it's time to find an alternate location, whether you are moving to a larger or a smaller home, one level or multi-level, according to the needs that you have at that point in time, it's right sizing. You're finding the right size for you. And so I want to bring you some strategies today for saving what's most important and meaningful for you in your smaller home while considering how you prepare your existing home to get it ready to sell. And uh, this process uh, really starts with the definition of right size. So here is my definition to adjust your current home or relocate to a new home that fits your current needs and empowers you to live your preferable future. I'm going to say it again. To adjust your current home, which means maybe moving isn't the right thing for you to do. Maybe you shouldn't be thinking of moving because your home could actually be adjusted so you could continue to live where you live now, which is often our preference in life. We like, we don't like change too much, especially if we know where the doctors are and who our neighbors are. And, and, and starting over is somewhat daunting, which is one of the reasons why I think many of us don't even think about moving at all, because we think, I just don't want to go someplace where I don't know anybody and I have to make all new friends. You know, I understand. So maybe adjusting your car- current home is an option. But remember, your house is, is, is essentially serving you. You're not called to serve your house, right? You're called, although we have to. Yes, we do. We, we do have to serve our houses sometimes, right? We have to fix the windows. We have to paint. We have to caulk. We have to uh, make sure that the furnace gets adjusted and the termites get checked and blah, 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 blah. You know, we, we, we have to maintain the house. So there are responsibilities that come with owning our home, but we may say, I'm good with that. I can get the assistance that I need. You know, you've heard of, of assisted living, and, and that's, it, it kind of sort of implies that you get to that point where you don't know how to brush your teeth anymore, and someone has to come in and brush your teeth for you, okay? No, 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 no. I have assisted living. You probably have assisted living. We've had assisted living most of our lives, right? <laughs> 
I mean, I've got somebody who cuts my grass each week because I, I don't have a mower that actually can cut the entire yard in five minutes as they do, you know, with the big trucks that pull up and then, you know, they cut the grass and blow it and all that. I mean, the manpower, time and everything else, they're just better at it than I am. And I would prefer to hire somebody. So I'm actually paying for assisted living. Right. That's just an example. One example. So you can adjust your current home, perhaps, and hire people around you to assist you in staying where you are. One of my dear friends has been in her home for decades, and she is a wonderful lady, and I've known her since I was a boy. And uh, she has actually modified her colonial to create a space on the first floor that has a bedroom and a full bath so she can continue living, even though she doesn't need all 3,500 square feet for herself. Okay? You know, the average person only uses 1,100 square feet per day. That's the average person on a daily basis. All right. So if you're looking at condos that are 1,400 square feet or larger for a couple, that's usually perfect for two in terms of actual use and movement within space. I'm not trying to tell you how to live. I just want you to understand how the probabilities work for what you might actually need in a day. And if you were to look at the steps that you take in your house and what rooms you actually use and how often you use them. If you were to like write on a three by five card, the way that our parents used to write how many miles we got on a gallon of gas back in the seventies. And you started keeping a record of what you actually used. You'd you'd find probably a pretty interesting story, right? And that story might say, I really do use 3000 square feet. Cool. Great. It might say, I actually use 1100 square feet. Or maybe even 900 square feet. You know what I'm saying? It's it's not really... The point is, is that your house should fit you, right? And if your house can fit you and you can get assisted living to come in and help you stay in your home longer, even if it costs you more for heating, cooling, or taxes, you might say, yeah, but this is where I want to be and I can afford that. Great. Great. I want us to think today about how you can adjust your current home or possibly relocate to a new home if your current home doesn't work for you. And that help that consideration be about your current needs, not your past needs. And then empower you. That house empowers you. It actually, it, you know how, how it is when you're walking down the street and and the wind comes behind your back and just sort of lifts you forward, you feel like, wow, I can walk so easily. You know, it doesn't last, but there's that feeling that something has come behind us and is actually empowering us into where we're going. And when I say your preferable future, this guide that I wrote called The Right Sizing Guide that will help you through the consideration of what I'm discussing today. And I I do highly recommend that you get a copy of this absolutely free because I believe in the education you'll get out of this, and I believe it will serve your life, and you will in turn be able to serve others. This is not something that I want you to pay me for. I want to give it to you. It's called The Right Sizing Guide, and you can read all about what I'm talking about at my website at ericstewartgroup.com. And I recommend you go there. You can submit a request for a copy of the guide. If you like a handwritten, like a, you want something in paper, that's fine. We'll actually mail it to you. We'll pay the postage. Again, we believe in you getting that information. Just go to ericstewartgroup.com 
and uh, you, you can you can request a copy of the right sizing guide I'm going through today, and then I do have some other guides and other resources, and you can search for property and do all the wonderful things that we can all do now on the internet just out of my one site. So this guide is 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 really meant to to be an education for you to think about how to approach the stuff you own too, right? Because oftentimes our homes sometimes own us more than we own our homes, but in a sense it's the stuff inside the house that oftentimes controls our behavior. What do I mean by that? I mean the collectibles, you know, the things that you had collected through your life that you supposed would have some value at some point, and you love those things, but you don't really understand the value, and so you don't know what to do about them. And then the research of it, you've got all this, you don't understand part of figuring out value so you're not taken advantage of. Do you struggle with a fear of other people taking advantage of you? You know, I I think we all do. I think we all are concerned that someone's going to scam us, okay? It's normal for us when we don't understand where what we have fits into the scheme of true value. You know, a gradable comic book, for instance, might be a 10 out of 10, which is the most valued comic book in whatever that comic book is in terms of its grade. A 9.4 versus a 9.2. You know what I'm saying? So knowing that there's a comic book guide that tells you, hey, if you got a this grade of that comic this year, it should be worth X. Okay, but you can't do that with a lot of things. And you don't know how to deal with the value. And then oh, then let's throw in the emotions, right? Let's throw in those emotions because the emotional attachment that we have and historical importance of things that we own also clouds our judgment about letting them go or disseminating them, which just simply means dispersing them to other people, whether that's a family member, a friend, a charity, or to sell it some way. We want to think today about right-sizing and also how we can walk through the challenges of the things that we own and walk through you know, some processes. I'm going to give you some tools today to help you look at what you own in a different way and be able to help you start a process, whether you have a complete household full of things that you don't know all that you have, even to the point that your behavior has become compulsive your purchasing is compulsive to purchase items of a certain thing, and they now are layered in one layer after another because you know value for that item, and you just simply have gotten into a rhythm, and it's time to break the rhythm, let the item go, and find a home that will really empower you. That breeze will come behind you, will push you forward in your life. So today, right-sizing to adjust your current home or relocate to a new home that fits your current needs and empowers you to live your preferable future. That is right-sizing. And who did I learn this from? Well, I've learned it from many folks, but I dedicate today's show to my mother and father, who've shown me the value of looking ahead to new seasons in life where they found a new adventure with less encumbrance, less things to weigh them down, and more free time to explore and enjoy and grow. And that's my hope for you as we discuss right-sizing today. So let's take a few minutes before our break and discuss the seven areas of wellness. See, each of us have different areas of our lives 
that we should stop, slow down, and think about, am I well in this area, and what is it I prefer my life to look like? This is how we'll start to clarify our vision for having a preferable future. So these seven areas, again, are in the right-sizing guide, which is free at ericstewartgroup.com if you want a free copy of it. That's uh, You can call, if you're not on the web, at 800-900-9104 if you prefer. The seven areas are physical, which is the most dominant reason for why we are suddenly forced to have to move from our homes. When the physical ailments of our lives are forced upon us through some, some physical problem that's just risen out of nowhere, we then have social wellness, vocational, that's the call of our lives. Are we actually fulfilling what we believe our call is and does moving or changing Finding this well-being and understanding our vocational call is another consideration. The emotional well-being, the spiritual well-being, the environmental, and the intellectual. So today, we'll discuss those seven areas as soon as we get back from our break. If you just listened to me for the first time, I'm a realtor at Long & Foster Realtors, have been for many, many years, and I'm grateful for the privilege to come to you and share my insight from all the years of selling homes. We'll be right back. This is Pointing You Home on WMAL. Welcome back to The Eric Stewart Show, Pointing You Home. I'm Eric, and we're discussing right-sizing your life. How can you evaluate your life? You've got to start with basically seven areas of well-being that we covered briefly before our break. And we want to look at our strengths and our weaknesses in those and come up with what our preferable future is. And why? Because we want to build a motivation. We want to build, as an actor uh, would build, a through line. Okay, The through line is, in a great play, the playwright would write the role of a character and the story and conflict that they face, each person wants something, and it's this in life that makes great theater, is when you see great relationships on stage that we rarely get to see in reality as an outsider, right? Don't you feel like sometimes you're in the middle of a play, though? (laughs) Don't you feel like you're having a conversation with somebody and you just wish the whole thing had been recorded because it's so theatrical? But the reality is we all have to look at who we are and see ourselves for who we really are. And You know, there's a great verse in Matthew 5, 3 in the New Testament of the Bible. And it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And for the life of me, I just did not relate to that. Because uh, I always thought of myself as somebody who's not poor. I'm rich. I've got a rich spirit. I've got a, I'm rich. I've got all kinds of things. I've got happiness. I've got kids. I've got all these things. And then one day about, I don't know, several years ago, I, I finally realized what it means. What it means is when you actually see what is poor in your life, when you really see where you're not perfect, that's when you really see the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because we can then make change. And that's why Jesus said after that, blessed are those who mourn. Why? They're mourning because they see the poorness or poverty of their spirit. And then blessed are the meek because they yield their lives for change and they ask God for help. See, the Beatitudes unlocks 
a real program for change in our lives. And we can take that example into anything, including right-sizing. So being honest with yourself about what your strengths are, your weaknesses, and then decide what it is you really want to shoot for. There's a great illustration I learned many years ago for hitting a target. In Old England, at the time that the King James Version of the Bible, in fact, was being interpreted, there was a word being interpreted which was outside of God's will, like this is the word they were trying to come up with. And so they used the basic Latin sin, which means outside of. And guess what? They knew, too, that sin was the word in archery to describe the act of taking your bow and firing your arrow at the target and missing the bullseye, the perfection, whether it's by a little bit or by a lot, we sin. We're outside of perfection. So if we look at ourselves— in our strengths and our weaknesses, and we decide what our target is, what our bullseye is, you and I aren't perfect, right? <laughs> don't, you, don't you hear other people say that, hey, nobody's perfect, right? Because we aren't. And that's, uh, that's, that's why having a preferable future and having a target also needs to be measured with a degree of grace, which just means patience and, and unmerited favor. I'm going to give myself grace as I try to pursue this, this change. That is the back-end focus of finding a preferable future physically. Let me give you an example. Maybe strengths are for you. Hey, you're walking fine. You're able to accomplish a full day, no problem. But maybe weaknesses, I'm, I'm overweight. I weigh more than I really want to. I'm not consistent in my exercise. I'm tired walking the stairs. Maybe my preferable future is to exercise each day, to walk upstairs without breathing heavily, or just be able to swim laps at the pool. I really would love to do that. In other words, You recognize where your strengths are, your weaknesses are, you decide what it is you want to change, and then you just take the steps necessary to go through that. Now, each one of these seven areas is covered in the right-sizing guide, which today will send you absolutely free. And just to to get a copy, go to ericstewartgroup.com to our resources section. And just uh, click on that, and you can request a guide, or you can read it online. Just download and read it online, okay? That's at ericstewartgroup.com. If you're not on the web, uh, uh, you know, you're driving in the car somewhere, you're like, oh, this is great. I really need this, and you want to just request a copy, call our toll-free number. It's 800-900-9104, okay? Now, relocating versus aging in place is you deciding if your home suits you or you need to go someplace else, right? And you know what the changes are that you want after you've gone through the seven areas of your life and you've decided what your preferable future is. And you come to look at your home and you say, I can't do the things that I really want to do. What I really want to do is X. And actually being here is keeping me from doing those things. And I finally am honest with myself about it. Or the opposite, my house is perfect, right? Or I can make it work, right? So Perhaps you do need to move, and let's just chat about that. These are the five factors that will help you decide, and they are the proximity of your home to what's important to you, the stores, the doctors, the family, oftentimes called the location, the expense, the costs involved with staying or going someplace else, property taxes, heating, cooling, etc., the accessibility, how well you can get in and out of your home, stairs, need a wheelchair, can't get through hallways, doorways, that kind of thing, right? Movement within. The comfort is it the is the extent to which a place gives you a sense of security and peace of mind. 
And then the ease, how easy is it for you to accomplish your daily activities in your home? Okay, coming up, choosing your target location. What are those seven options right after this? This is Pointing You Home on WMAL. Right-sizing your home. That's what we're talking about here on The Eric Stewart Show. Okay, And the guide we have is called the Right-Sizing Guide that we've published to give you the education you need on how to approach whether you should move or not. Okay, Finding that choice, what's the right location. Also, dealing with the stuff you own and also finding the motivation when we are struggling with that motivation. Our family is saying, you got to go. Or we're saying, I got to go. Right? We got, and yet, these things that get in the way, whether it's the money worries or the things that keep us from moving because we got too much of them, all of that. All of this is in the Right Sizing Guide, and it's free for you today. Call us at 1-800-900-9104 and get your free copy. That's 800-900-9104. Or online, request your copy at ericstewartgroup.com. Uh, you can get a free copy downloading it, or we'll mail you one and there's no charge. We just want to help you where you are. That's uh, ericstewartgroup.com. So our target locations, well, the obvious one is to buy a smaller home, okay? That would be selling your existing home, but finding a smaller home or a larger home or something that would actually fit you for what it is you need. So assuming that you need more space, like where I was 15 years ago, just having had my fifth child, I needed more space to be able to accommodate the size of my family. Now, need is a strong word to use. I wanted more space. The reality is our family could have been fine where we were previously, but we wanted more space. We wanted to accommodate our kids in a way that made sense. Um, and that's that's a choice that was made then. But, hey, last year, a couple years ago, I ended up downsizing, <laughs> right-sizing, exactly, Yes, right-sized into the right-size home because all five kids have left. And so I don't need as much space, right? You don't need as much space when our kids go, though we get caught up with the what-ifs. You know what the what-ifs are? What if the kids come home? What if so-and-so comes home and needs a place to stay? What if my friends come over? What if my blah, 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 you know, all these different what ifs that, you know, what if I actually use the gym equipment that I bought years ago that are sitting in the basement after one week of use? And then through self-condemnation, I decided I'm, you know, I'll never get back to it. And shame rules that, right? (laughs) How many of us struggle with that, right? How many of us deal with the things that we don't feel like we're doing well enough giving in to shame. Now, shame is shame is what says you are the problem. You're the problem. You should have. You couldn't. You aren't, right? That's what shame is, and it is a thief of joy. It is a thief of you moving forward. So let's talk about the target locations you can go to, and let's push that shame away and focus on, okay, we've made choices in life, There are consequences. We get that. But still, we're all of us in the same boat, right? So shame should not rule our lives. Let's move forward. Let's make positive choices. Do you need maybe a multi-generational home would work for you? Maybe this is where 
middle-aged couples have recently experienced this phenomenon, having both you know their, their adult children and their elderly parents living with them. And that trend has become increasingly prevalent. And according to Pew Research, 53% of young adults between the ages of 18 and 24 reported that they currently live or recently lived with their parents. And 41% of people ages 25 to 29 said that they still live at home. Okay? So you might have people moving back, and it may be more economical, and maybe it's more desirable to think of that as a long-term right-sizing solution and right-relational solution where you can socially be uplifted and economically efficient. Find out more about that in the right-sizing guide. You know, if you're thinking of most effective ways to live, what's What's a lower utility cost per person? Expenses like food, maintenance can be shared by all. You might not think about buying a smaller place or a larger home. You might think about maybe moving into a, a, a townhome or possibly a condominium space, right? Where maybe you share the use of the common areas. You pay a fee for that, but it may be more economical. It may also give you more social interaction and help you in the seven areas of wellness in the social growth. Remember, it's important to to see the opportunities that we have through the relationships that are around us. Now, you might say, well, I, I want to just rent. Okay, that's an option. Or I'm at that point now where it makes sense for me to move to a 55-plus community. That would be like a leisure world or uh, another community that's 55-plus minimum, but isn't necessarily providing you with any kind of care, you'd have to hire that yourself. Then you have what are called CCRCs, and that would be specifically for those who are 62 years and older. And a CCRC stands for Continuing Care, Retirement Community. Where Leisure World is a retirement community, post-work, I live there, I can share the pool and the benefits of maybe golf club and those kinds of things. Maybe I have some provisional benefits there, like security on the outside of the community, right? There are some benefits. That's that. It's kind of assisted living of a greater amount, but not within a community that gives you a full continuum of care. What do I mean by that? Well, if you're independent— but maybe like my dad say, you know, one day he missed the bottom step coming down the stairs and he tore his quadricep muscle off of his, uh, his knee and it had had to go into surgery and get it put back on. And he went into assisted living after he went to surgery and then he was able to move from assisted living back into independent life. And you know what? My dad is doing great. And he's independent even in his 90s. And I'm so grateful to God for that and for my mom, that she and my mom, my, my mom and dad, rather, are together. And I love the fact that the continuum of care is there when it's needed. Or maybe you know somebody that you love who is um, perhaps in need of full-term care, and this could be through, um, you know, maybe through a memory loss, okay, or it could be through um, through something else. You know, it, it, you never know what it could be. So you can you can consider these different options. And so there are essentially just seven options 
which include staying where you are, buying a smaller home, renting, moving to a 55-plus community or multi-generational home, or going to independent, assisted, or memory care. Okay? And that's it. That's really it. So you, you the nice thing here is that I'm defining a number for you so that you can then evaluate where you are and decide. And that's in the Right Sizing Guide, which is free again today at ericstewartgroup.com. Request your copy today. We'll send it out to you in, the, in the mail if you'd like it that way, or you can download a free copy there on your email. So once you know kind of what you need, now it's a question of how much space you need. First, you have to choose where you want to go. Then you choose the space that you need. And so in the Right Sizing Guide, we've given you a sample floor plan for you to get a sense of how maybe you draw out your existing floor plan. And if you if you move with our team, in other words, if we help you sell your home, uh, we will assist you in building that floor plan of your entire home even if you're a year from moving. So you, you, can, you can have that tool now, and we'll actually give it to you as a part of our relationship. And you can then move knowing what you have in space now and then evaluating that perhaps, like I said, on the three-by-five card. Write down, hey, for one week, at the end of the day, what rooms did I go in? How long was I there? Okay? It's an interesting exploration. Try it. And make a game out of it. Let's have fun with this whole thing. Uh, look at it this way. Hey, go go look at your closets. Look at all the stuff you have in your closets. And look at how many things you have there that you don't wear, right? Again, no shame. Just be real, okay? If you measure the width of your closets and you decide you really aren't willing to give away what you have, then compare that with, with how much hanging storage you're going to have in a new apartment. If you only have six feet of hanging storage in your new place, well, maybe that's not the right place if you don't want to give your clothes away, right? Or get your clothes down in size, the number of clothes you have in size to what you're probably going to have wherever you're going to go or recognize you're going to have to build uh, you know, a bigger closet. Have fun with it, okay? Old suits, shirts, raincoats, things like this that you don't really use anymore, think about giving those things away. You know, there are plenty of folks out there who could benefit from just receiving, including your nonprofits like Goodwill or Salvation Army, that can sell those things for a couple bucks on the dollar and helps to raise money for them. Uh, the nonprofit organization that I started called Widow Care, which is a local DMV program that is peer-led support uh, among widows and widowers. And I, I'm not a widower, but I had the heart to start this because I saw the demographic in distress when I would go and meet with widows and widowers who wanted to sell their homes. So I launched this 501c3 back in 2013, and it's grown. And we have hundreds of members, and they meet several times a week, and it's it's really awesome. But we have to raise support. And so um, actually a, a wonderful widow decided she was going to move, and she decided she would donate whatever she left behind to be sold by widow care. And so the opportunity to sell those things for a nonprofit could actually be done from your house as kind of an estate sale that just raises money for the nonprofit organization, Right. So there's lots of uses for the things you don't use if you leave them behind or if you donate them to a local charity, such as a Goodwill or Salvation Army, or perhaps you know a church or synagogue or mosque or whatever nearby where maybe there are um, um, refugees coming from other countries that don't have enough, and they're trying to collect those things for that very reason. That's real, right? <clears throat> so... We have to think, too, about selling. 
some things. You know, there's sentimental value, but then there's intrinsic value. And in the right-sizing guide, we do give you some suggestions on where you can go for both the donation side as well as the sell side. Uh, you can download a free copy at ericstewartgroup.com. Just go for the right-sizing guide in our resources section. If you've ever heard of professional move managing, I want to define that for you now. Okay, This is a, a new profession. It's been around 10 to 15 years now. This is a group of movers that will help you manage your whole move, help you preserve the items you want and get rid of the things you no longer need. And they serve as an extra pair of hands through your sorting process, helping you think through decisions based on what will fit in your new home. When you're ready to sell, give, or throw away your items, professional move managers can arrange how to deal with them, whether through auction, estate sale, donation, or disposal. And they'll also set up storage options if you find you still have too much, even after right-sizing, that you don't want to get rid of. They'll also help you map out your new home, They'll help you pack and transport your things. They'll help you unpack your things. They'll get all those boxes inside your new home and help you set your possessions up just the way you want them and create a familiar atmosphere. So you're not just showing up with boxes everywhere and you've got to figure out where everything gets hung. They'll take the pictures that you really love and hang them in a similar spot in your new place. Pretty cool. Now, when it comes to real estate, you've organized your belongings and put your house in some order, but there's a time where you're going to want to have a realtor come in and help you finish the details of your preparation. And let, let's take a moment and look at choosing a realtor, because this is an important part of the move once you've made the decision to find another place and you've identified where you want to go. And, and somewhere, maybe even along the way, you've already talked with a realtor because you needed to know how much your home would sell for in, in general without a firm commitment to the realtor. You wanted to know how, about how much is my house going to sell for? So I know, I know how much I have to buy a smaller place or for a continuing care retirement community where I'm going to put a large amount of money up in order to have a lower monthly payment. When you meet with a realtor, you want to explain your needs and determine whether you would be comfortable working with them. Ask whatever questions you like or simply explain your goals and listen carefully to what they propose that they're going to do for you. And in addition to making you feel comfortable about the process, they'll be able to explain all you need to know about the listing agreement. When you fill out this agreement, be sure to ask questions if you don't understand something, okay? In addition, you got to be sure to disclose everything about the property that you know. As realtors, we're actually responsible to disclose what we know and what we should know. Case in point, I had a home that had a specific tile in the basement that I recognized to probably be a vinyl asbestos tile. And because I knew from my previous experience with homes in that area that that likely was that, I had a responsibility to disclose that to my homeowner and say, I, I want to make you aware of this. What I need to do as a real estate agent fiduciarily is not only sell the home for the most amount of money, get the best terms, but also protect my client from having something chase them down after closing. And don't we all want to live with a clean conscience? You know, sometimes in my life I've run away from things I've chosen to do that I wish I hadn't done as a means of trying to cope with it rather than just facing it truthfully and honestly. And this whole right-sizing process is a good example in your life and my life of getting to the point where we're willing to honestly look at these things and not run away from them. And it's important for you and for everybody to go through that process. Make sure that you are fiduciarily represented by a real estate agent who's going to look out for your best interests 
not just monetarily, but also care in the process. That's why in my listing presentation for my group, the Eric Stewart Group at Long & Foster, we have the word obedience in there to define part of that relationship. And I often get a chuckle from a potential seller or buyer in that. But I say, I just want to be clear that should you engage our services, we are professional realtors and very, very successful at getting the best for our clients. But we also recognize that we work for you and that whatever we guide you to do is always going to be submissive to whatever you tell us to do as the owner, as long as it's legal. (laughs) That's what you want. You want a guide who also respects. All right. So you get through the process of choosing a realtor. and, And for more information on that process, again, get the right sizing guide. I'll give you some good tips on that process. Also on prepping your home and what your costs might be. Okay. It's good to look at that. And then we have an appendix, and I want to cover that when we get back from our break, okay, with five offbeat tips for overlooked items in your property, okay? That'll be kind of fun and some other things, some some other cool things. So at the Eric Stewart Group of Long and Foster and at our website, ericstewartgroup.com, you can request a free copy of this right-sizing guide we've gone through today, helping you find your motivation. Look at what your preferable future is. Be honest about the seven areas of wellness in your life and look at where you could move to or whether the home you live in now is the best place for you to stay. And you can get that for free, either hard copy or online at ericstewartgroup.com. Well, we'll be right back with our closing segment and some really offbeat but cool tips. Last week, I sat down with Stuart Rosenthal from the Beacon Newspapers and we discussed the latest issue. Stuart, article on diet sodas this month. Yes, in our health section. You'd think that diet sodas would help you lose weight, right? You would think. Well, for some time, there have been lots of studies that show that a lot of people who drink diet soda actually put weight on. So part of the assumption had been, well, maybe it increases your desire for something sweet and you're overcompensating for it. There's something to be said for that. But recent studies in both rats and people suggest something even more sinister. Would you believe it's the carbonation that might be the problem? Even carbonated seltzer water with no sweetener or flavors of any sort increase the levels of the hormone ghrelin in your stomach, which make you hungrier and tend tend to make you eat more. So maybe that's the trick. We'll have to see. So it's an interesting article that explains about these new studies. So the ghrelin causes the grumbling. (laughs) The grumbling. That causes the eating. That causes the fattening. That must be the answer. (laughs) Thank you, Eric. Now we know. (laughs) Read about it in the Beacon Newspapers at thebeaconnewspapers.com. This is Pointing You Home on WMAL. So the moving day has come. You've chosen where you want to go. You've sold your house. And now, like, I know I'm forgetting something. (laughs) Well, that's always the case. So it's good to think about a few things in advance of that moving day, including using up all of your non-perishable items. This is one of our five offbeat tips. Inventory your dry goods, such as canned food, paper products, and that kind of thing. Use up what items you can in preparation for your move. You don't want to have to pack and move things that could easily be used and disposed of ahead of time. And if you find you simply have too much to use, you can also donate the remainder. The same thing kind of goes for those chemicals in the house, right? If you've got old cleaning products or other toxic substances to get rid of, Take them to a hazardous waste collection service or just start using them up the year preceding your move. Check your local area for landfills or waste disposal sites that collect used motor oil, that kind of thing. 
The third one is try to get a floor plan of your new living space in advance of your move, right? Even if you're buying another house and you didn't get one as a part of your purchase, try to get that floor plan in advance and use that as your roadmap. You can better identify the pieces of furniture that you do want to keep and can keep and can use in your new place if you have a floor plan of where you're going. Believe it or not, something as simple as just having a survival bag ready for you on your moving day, you don't want to be stuck at the end of the day with all the stuff you need packed away in boxes and trucks. So pack some toiletries, pack some you know clothes, a change of, and snacks along with any medications you might need. And you might also want tools like a screwdriver, a flashlight, a hammer, super glue, just in case. Temporarily stow all your important documents there or someplace else as well, just so you know where they are and they don't get stuffed into a box and you can't find them for weeks. And the last thing is, and this is really important in kind of every area of life, is just ask for help. Many hands make light work. You know that saying, it's good to let your friends and family And your neighbors know that you're going to move so they can assist you in this potentially daunting process. There's nothing like vulnerability to create a relationship, right? Hey, I just want to let you know I'll be moving in a few weeks, and I just want to tell you how much I appreciated you as a neighbor. Hey, thanks so much. If I can do anything to help, let me know, the neighbor might say. You say, well, you know, I'm moving on the 20th. I'll be moving from 9 in the morning until probably 1 or 2. Feel free to stop by. I'd love it. Or I'll be packing the week before. Would you like to help? Again, somebody doesn't offer unless they mean it, and if they don't mean it after they've offered, then that's not a friendship you necessarily want to keep anyways, right? You can also hire professional help to assist you all the way through the right-sizing process, right down to the moving day. Don't exhaust yourself unnecessarily by trying to do everything by yourself. All right, so these are these are some some tips here, and uh, you know your your whole process is sort of bedrocked around what I call my right-sizing bill of rights. And my friend Andrew Morgan and I created this many, many years ago. So you have the right to own your possessions and not have your possessions own you. You have the right to have nothing under your bed. Nothing. (laughs) You have the right to be free of all the internal constraints and commitments that prevent you from making a difference. Think of how many magazines that you get because you love the subject matter, but you actually don't read them. Newspapers, other commitments that you have in life that you come back to in seasons, and you want to at least know what's going on. I understand, but you do not want to stack magazines or other internal commitments to the point that you are now drowning and not free to be emotionally and intellectually available for what's real in the moment. You have the right, by the way, to pass up a yard sale or two or three. It's okay not to take advantage of every bargain that you find. And you also have the right to open your closet without the fear of being crushed. You know, (laughs) it seems like every year at the end of the winter, I feel like I have to play football in my closet just to get a coat out. It's like I got to put my shoulder in, wrench something back, and I end up, you know, pulling a couple of hangers off. (laughs) It doesn't have to be that way. When you're prepping your house to sell or you want to live there in a nice way, give some breathing room between your clothes. Then they won't get that smell, you know, that smell when your clothes are too close together, they become stale. Believe it or not, just giving breathing room room will really help you in that. You have the right to donate your clothes that don't fit. 
Now, I got to tell you a story about myself right here. This is an embarrassment, but it's true, and it ultimately worked out for me. I went to a discount department store, and I bought five shirts that I saw that were my size before I was my size then, meaning I was uh, not quite as heavy as I was. And I wanted to get back to that, but I bought five of them because they were on a great sale. And they hung in my closet for a couple of years before I actually got to wear them. And I used them as a motivation. So I guess in that sense, it worked. I ultimately did get to that. But it was all a part of this right-sizing process for me that identified my physical preferred future. And I finally got there. But you might have closed your thinking, I'll never get back into that. You know, you can take a video of things you have. You could take a picture of something you have, and you have the memory of the item, but you don't have to keep the memory with you all the time, crowding your space. You also have the right to throw away old copies of Reader's Digest and National Geographic. (laughs) That's it. I'm Eric Stewart, and I'll see you next week. The Eric Stewart Show, pointing you home on WMAL. Business has always been about turning a profit, making money. But can it stand for something more? Something beyond dollars and cents? We think so. We think that today, business has a higher calling, a purpose, to be fair and just, to do right by their workers, customers, communities, and the environment. And it turns out companies successful doing that also do better for their bottom line. When you see the Just Capital seal, it means this company is a force for good. Visit JustCapital.com to learn more.